circumstances of Psalm 39. And we see that uh, even as we work our way through this. So join me in Psalm 40. I waited patiently for the Lord, and he inclined to me and heard my cry. He also brought me up out of the horrible pit, out of the miry clay, and set my feet upon a rock and established my steps. He has put a new song in my mouth, praise to our God. Many will see it and fear and will trust in the Lord. Blessed is the man who makes the Lord his trust and does not respect the proud, nor such as turn aside to lies. Many, O Lord my God, are your wonderful works which you have done, and your thoughts toward us cannot be recounted to you in order. If I would declare and speak them, they are more than can be numbered. Sacrifice and offering you did not desire. My ears you have opened. Burnt offering and sin offering you did not require. Then I said, Behold, I come. In the scroll of the book it is written of me, I delight to do your will, O my God, and your laws within my heart. I have proclaimed the good news of righteousness in the great assembly. Indeed, I do not restrain my lips. O Lord, you yourself know. I have not hidden your righteousness within my heart. I have declared your faithfulness and your salvation. I have not concealed your loving kindness and your truth from the great assembly. Do not withhold your tender mercies from me, O Lord. Let your loving kindness and your truth continually preserve me. For innumerable evils have surrounded me. My iniquities have overtaken me so that I am not able to look up. They are more than the hairs of my head. Therefore, my heart fails me. Be pleased, O Lord, to deliver me. O Lord, make haste to help me. Let them be ashamed and brought to mutual confusion who seek to destroy my life. Let them be driven backward and brought to dishonor who wish me evil. Let them be confounded because of their shame who say to me, Aha! Aha! Let all those who seek you rejoice and be glad in you. Let such as love your salvation say continually, The Lord be magnified. But I am poor and needy, yet the Lord thinks upon me. You are my help and my deliverer. Do not delay, O my God. Like I said, Psalm 40 is a joyful response. And yet, even in that response, you'll notice at the end of that psalm, he kind of, he kind of returns to, to, I know you delivered me, God, but I, I still need you. I'm still a sinner. I'm still surrounded by enemies. So as you work your way through this, in the first ten verses, you see a new song that David is singing. And then in 11 through 17, an old problem. So we'll work our way through this. It starts verse 40. I waited patiently. For the Lord. I waited patiently for the Lord. That verse pretty much, that, that, that sentence pretty much sums up Psalm 39. You may remember as we were reading it last week, as David is, is talking about how, how he's surrounded, how he's overcome, how he's restrained, he's been silent, and then even throughout that, certainly every man at his best state is but a vapor. Surely every man is a vapor. We saw the frailty of man, the vanity of man, the utter dependence of man. And yet throughout that, David keeps rehearsing this truth. My hope is in you. 
My hope is in you. And so he comes to chapter 40, verse 1. He says, I waited patiently for the Lord. In the midst of everything that was going on, in the midst of all the craziness of life, the, the trial which I was in, whatever those circumstances were, he waited patiently. He cried unto the Lord and patiently waited, and he inclined to me. He heard me. It's not just the idea that, that God is, is up there in heaven and he hears David's prayer and he says, yes, I will get to that. But God hears his prayer and God takes action. He inclines, he comes down. He takes action. But notice, at the end of verse 1 into verse 2, all that God does. He inclined to me he, and heard my cry. He also brought me up out of the horrible pit, out of the miry clay, and he set my feet upon a rock, and he established my steps. David cries out to the Lord in the midst of, of a, whatever situation he is in, and God responded. God heard David, God delivered David, and God established David. The idea of establish is to, to, set, to set up to last, to put him in a place where he can succeed. It's not just when you give a homeless guy $5. It'd be taking that homeless guy and helping him get a job, helping him get established, helping him get on solid ground. That is what God has taken and done with David. He's not just fixed his immediate problem. He set him up for success going forward. You put my feet upon a rock. You took me from the miry clay and you put me on a sure foundation. You set me up. You fixed me solidly. He's put a new song in my mouth, verse 3 says. We kind of talked about that, opportunity, that, that phrase, a new song, uh, back in Psalm 33, verse 3. We talked about how, how a new song is a new opportunity to express fresh praise to God. A new opportunity. You might be seeing the same truths, but you're seeing them through different circumstances. It's one thing to sing of the faithfulness of God when you're raising children. It's another thing to sing of the faithfulness of God when you've walked through cancer. That's a new song. But it's the same truth. That's what David is doing here. He's once again singing of the faithfulness, the righteousness, the greatness of his God. Just he has new perspective now. He's walked through this new path. Praise to our God. Many will see it and fear and will trust in the Lord. David's new song of testimony will, will, will shine forth as a beacon pointing to the greatness of his God. It will encourage believers. It will challenge unbelievers. Look what my God has done. Let me tell you. Verse 4. Blessed is the man who makes the Lord his trust. It's a general truth here, specifically applied to David, as he's the one who's walked through this. He's the one who's trusted in the Lord. He's the one who's been blessed. But it's a general truth. It goes back to Psalm 1. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of wicked, who stands uh, not in the way of sinners, who sits not in the seat of the scornful. So what David says here, blessed is the man who makes the Lord his trust, and what? And does not respect the proud, nor such as turn aside to lies. The man who finds his trust in God. Many, O oh Lord, are your wonderful works. 
God's greatness is not just limited to this one act in David's behalf that he's referring to here. God's works are great. God is great. Many, too great to be numbered, O Lord, are your wonderful works. David could probably sit here and he could think back over his life to this point and start writing out wonderful works and that would not even come close to the list of what God has done. What you have done, your thoughts toward us cannot be recounted to you in order. If I declare to speak of them, they are more than can be numbered. Verse 6 takes a, it's kind of an interesting verse. It says, sacrifice and offering you did not desire. My ears you have opened. The idea is David is ready to listen. He's ready to obey. Burnt offerings and sin offerings you did not require. David here is not downplaying the importance of sacrifices. He's not saying, I've ignored all that. That doesn't matter. Rather, what he's doing is he's stressing the importance of the heart. Because the right sacrifice with the wrong heart attitude is meaningless. Just a few months ago, we worked our way through Malachi and we saw that exact truth. God desires not just sacrifice. God desires the right attitude. A sacrifice with no faith is meaningless. The sacrifice is meant to, to point to something, to illustrate something. And if you miss that, then the sacrifice itself is pointless. Don't just go through the motions. That's what David is saying here. I wasn't just going through the motions. I believed in you. I trusted in you. In fact, we see that in verse 7. He goes on to say, Then I said, Behold, I come. In the scroll of the book it is written of me, I delight to do your will, O my God, and your law is within my heart. He's referring back to Deuteronomy 17, 14 to 20 requirements for kings. One of those requirements is that they write out a copy of the law and they keep that with them. And what David is saying here is, I, I joyfully and willingly am submitting to God. I'm ready to do this. I'm ready to obey. It's not that he's, he's casting aside the requirements that God has given. He's embracing them, but he's doing it with the right heart. That's what's important. He's doing it trusting in God with the right heart attitude. I've proclaimed the good news of God's righteousness in the great assembly. I've proclaimed it. This is not something I've kept to myself. Indeed, I do not restrain my lips. O Lord, you know yourself. I have not hidden your righteousness within my heart. I have declared your faithfulness and your salvation. I have not concealed your loving kindness and your truth from the great assembly. David, as the leader of Israel, is proclaiming to them their great God and what he has done. He's taking the lead in that. Look who our God is. Look what he has done. But now we come to a turning point in this psalm. The first 10 verses, David is, he's singing this new song. He's rejoicing in his God and what he has done. He's praising the Lord for the deliverance of the, the heavy situation that he found himself in Psalm 39. 
But then he comes to verse 11. And he looks up and, and he looks down into his heart and, and he realizes, I'm still a sinner. And this still, there's still problems. God has delivered me, but I still need God. Do not withhold your tender mercies from me, O Lord. Let your loving kindness and your truth continually preserve me. Continually go on. Keep preserving me. Why? For innumerable evils have surrounded me. My iniquities have overtaken me so that I am not able to look up. How many of us can identify with that feeling when you feel so heavy, so sinful? Overtaken with sin. It may have even been since David started writing this psalm. He's just halfway through and he's, he's realizing, man, I'm only halfway through with this psalm and, and my own heart, I need forgiveness again. My problems are rising up around me again. I need you again, God. I'm so weak. I have no power. I'm the king and yet my problems, I can't even keep them down. I can't even control my own sin. They are more than the hairs of my head. Therefore, my heart fails me. Be pleased, O Lord, to deliver me. Evil keeps attacking me, others, and my own sin. And so, God, keep delivering me. Keep hearing my cry. Make haste to help me. Let them be ashamed, brought to mutual confusion. Let them be driven backward. Let them be confounded. Let all those who seek you rejoice and be glad that such as love your salvation say continually, the Lord be magnified. Let this be my prayer, both in verses 1 to 10 and in verses 11 to 17. Both when things are going good and God has delivered me and things are on the up and up, and when I'm in the miry clay again, when my sins have overtaken me. When my enemies surround me, even then, Lord, be magnified. David's desire is to pray this prayer regardless of the circumstances around him. But I am poor and needy. Yet the Lord thinks upon me. What an amazing thought. Have you ever been struck with the grace of God like that? I am poor and needy. Who am I? And yet God thinks upon me? And yet God sent his son to die for me? Who am I? I am poor, I am needy, I am overcome, overrun with sin. I continually make the wrong decision time and time again, and yet God thinks on me. The amazing grace of God. May we never grow tired of it. May we never grow old of it. May we each and every day be struck with this thought, I am poor and needy, and yet the Lord thinks on me. You are my help and my deliverer. Do not delay, oh my God. 
As we come to the end of this psalm, I'm reminded of Philippians 4 where Paul says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say, rejoice. That's what we see David doing here. He's rejoicing in the Lord in the first 10 verses when things are going great. God has delivered me. Life is good. And he's rejoicing in the Lord in verses 11 to 17 when things are not going great. When sin has overtaken him, when his enemies are overrunning and they're rising up again, even then he's rejoicing in the Lord. He rejoices in the Lord in deliverance. He rejoices in the Lord in trial. May we, like David, regardless of circumstances, proclaim the Lord be magnified. May that be our prayer. May that be our desire in whatever our circumstances are. When things are going good, may we rejoice in the Lord. Let us sing a new song and let us sing it loudly. Let us tell everyone what our God has done. And when things are going bad, let us not stop singing. Let's keep singing that new song. Let's tell people who our God is. You know, this is what I'm going through. And it's hard and I don't understand it and it hurts and I'm scared. But this is who my God is. This is what he's done in the past. This is what he's promised me in his word. This is what I'm clinging to. So yes, my circumstances are rough and I am scared and this hurts, but my God is good and I will cling to that. And may he be magnified. May that be our prayer like it is David's here. May we always remember that we are poor and needy. We don't deserve the love of God. We don't deserve the grace of God. Yet God in his grace thinks upon us, loves us, cares for us. So as we go to prayer, as we've been working our way through the Psalms, we try to always take kind of the big idea of the Psalm and then incorporate it into our prayers. Um, And the big idea of this Psalm would come down to the greatness of God, regardless of circumstances. And so as we go to prayer, Let us praise our God for who he is. Let us recount what he has done. Let us remember even this week the things that he has done. Regardless of your circumstances this week, whether you find yourself in the first half of this psalm or the last half of this psalm, may your prayer be this evening, may God be magnified. Recount the blessings of God. Tell of his mercy and grace. And then keep trusting him. Keep trusting him.